Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Lynn Witt back in the line. Lynn, how are you? I am doing great today. How are you? I am awesome and alive and vertical. And that's always a good thing uh, to be vertical instead of horizontal, unless you're sleeping. <laughs> unless but you're not, sleeping and having yeah. a good night's sleep. Which is something that I always tell people they should get because it really helps. So great to have you on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about a variety of things today, but uh, specifically, I'm sure we're going to talk about resilience and and other things and you know, your background and the organization you founded and all of that. But um, yeah, tell, tell the audience about you, you know, the organization, uh, and, and then we'll dive into the conversation <laughs> of how we're going to talk about that COVID-19 situation and how resilience is more important than ever. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm the founder and um, CEO of Petite to Queen and Future Forward Sales. And we help the world by providing sales and leadership training to achieve more faster. And, you know, my background um, was in sales. Um, I climbed the corporate ladder in sales into leadership positions, eventually in the C-suite. Um, in corporate America, I was closing multi-million dollar deals globally. And um, through all of that experience, um, that's what really led me to found the business and to try to give back because, you know, it's like, why do we all have to learn this, this same old way? You know, it's almost like tribal knowledge. So instead, how can we provide shortcuts so that we can all seize upon that and really collectively lift one another up? And so that's what I do. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a great backstory, and I'm familiar with your organization um, and it, the work that it's doing and has done, and um, that's why when I saw your name come in, I'm like, absolutely, I want to talk to Lynn on the show for sure. But So you know, a lot of the work that you do in your organization, as well as the work that you do with individuals, talks about resilience and problem solving and being agile. And we're in the middle of, I hope we're in the middle, we're in the pandemic. I don't know where we are in in the scenes of this movie, but um, hopefully we're at least halfway point. But um, from, like we talked about in the pre-show notes, there's some people who think, oh, no, we're we're still eating the previews. We haven't even got to the actual start of the movie yet. I'm like, oh, great. But we'll we'll, we'll deal with that one later. But but during this pandemic, Resiliency is something that everyone really is starving for and really needs to have in their life. So let's talk about that a bit, uh, you know, about how, what does resiliency look like? How does one go about implementing it in their life? Because it's not like they go to the shelf and they go, okay, I'm going to take, you know, get two bottles of resiliency and, and away we go. I mean, there, if there's an alcohol named resiliency, I'm not aware of it. So there could be. So, I mean, that's not what we're talking about today people that's something different but so let's talk about resiliency and, and yeah so I, you know I think the most classic visual that people can put in their mind for resiliency is in Captain Marvel and she falls off that rope ladder right 
and she picks herself up, she dusts herself off, and she's going to go at it again. And so resilience is really that ability to reset, to say, okay, this happened, you know, all right, now, now what's next? So I know I had that moment in my life when my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And, you know, and I'm going to be really honest, I threw myself a two-week pity party. I think it was worthy of a two-week pity party. But I came out of that saying, okay, this has happened. Now, how do we do moving forward? How can we make the best of, you know, an awful situation? And we did. We went on an incredible couple trips of a lifetime while he was still healthy enough to travel. You know, we spent lots of time together as a family. And, you know, and also it's really, when I look at my career, it's the thing I'm the most proud of is the support that I gave him in that three-year battle. So, you know, I look back on that, you know, because now it's been three years since he's passed. And it was an incredible, horrible um, journey. Um, But there were so many good things that came out of it. So that's resiliency at its core. And everyone can learn this skill. Um, So when we've been knocked down, um, what the first thing I think there's a scenario that you can go through in your mind. Or even if you're approaching something that you're, that, that fear can be that, that moment that you're frozen is to say, okay, what am I afraid of? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the best thing that ha- can happen? And what's likely to happen? So when you address it that way and you really look fear in the face, it, you take away its power. And that's one of the key things about resiliency is that you have to be willing to look fear in the face and and really acknowledge what it means. And then how can you mitigate it? You know, or how can you cope if the worst case scenario happens? You know, so all of that is one of those core skills that you can use, that you can practice. And as you practice that, you're going to find that you're, it's easier for you to start to think, okay, well, wait, I could do this. I can pivot this way. I can be agile. You know, I can have flexibility. I can solve this problem before it happens. Like I can meet it head on. And then you take away its power. And so that's what um, I feel is the most important thing about resilience. This is a power skill and you can learn this skill. And I think one of the things that I've learned over my life, especially in situations that seemed insurmountable, but I was able to get through them. Not necessarily around them, because I learned that lesson a long time ago. It's like, if I go around them, they're just going to circle back and, hey, we're here again. It's like, I want to get through it and be done with it once and for all. And what I find is when I encounter different challenges in life, I will... I haven't really used the analogy of looking fear in the eye, but I love that. And it's like, okay, it's facing it going, all right, this is what the situation is. Let's take, for me, I try to keep the emotions in check for a moment and just analyze it, you know, kind of an out-of-body experience, just look at it and go, okay, what is this? What do I need to do with this? What And what experiences have I had in my life that I could potentially use to help me get through this? 
and sometimes just in that moment of fear, we you know, the amygdala starts yelling at us, and we we start freaking out and doing whatever we're going to do with it instead of just pausing and going, okay, this is the reality we're in. What can I do? And that's something I tell people, and I've been telling people for the last few months, especially during this pandemic, is yes, there's a lot of things that we have lost over these last few months, a lot of experiences and opportunities. We haven't been able to go to places that we normally could go to or eat in restaurants for a period of time or go to the movies, whatever. And yes, that's a loss. And we should not necessarily take a two-week pity party for those because they're not as big as the loss of a loved one. But take time to mourn the loss of those things and then focus on what can we do? What can I do right now? Can, okay, yeah, can't eat, I, I can't eat in a restaurant per se, but I can order carry out from that restaurant if I, I so feel the need. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I mean, one thing is rather than focus on what you're giving up, you know, really look at what you're going to get in return. And so, uh, and that one of the things, you know, like even a regarding this pandemic is that we are spending some more time with our, our close family units. Um, and that's an incredible gift in, in a different way. You know, yeah, it can cause stress and, um, and, you know, in the, these cor- close quarters or, <laughs> um, but there, that is also a time that you can, you know, you have all the great videos of families just doing things that they haven't done together for years. You know, they go ahead and they pitch the tents in the backyard and they're camping in their backyard for the, for a week, you know, for a, like a, a mini vacation out of the house, but then they can still come in and use running water, et cetera. Right. Um, you know, they're playing twister or whatever it is. They're doing things that they just haven't had the opportunity to do. You know, and so when we look at that, that's a great way to do it. And to your point, um, you know, there are some times that, you know, you can um, go around something to your point, you you may not, it may come back on you. So you always have to think through that. Um, But I say that, you know, you, there are times that the long journey around it, you have to travel that um, to get to a short distance. And that, Part of the journey is like even that experience of going through that dark tunnel with my husband's cancer. And I don't want to lighten that, that for people who are going through that or have been through that, it, it's truly is, it's a horrible thing. But um, there were so many moments that stand out in my mind. And those are the ones that I hold on to on how special they were. And so, and yes, it was a long journey to travel essentially a short distance, um, that you you take um, joy in that journey. The journey is actually what we should be focusing on. We're so focused on the end or the destination. There's so many experiences along the way in the journey that, yes. um, that are just incredible. And you know, last year I was fortunate to go on several trips with loved ones. And just happened to work out really well and I'm immensely thankful that I was able to do it. Um, I, I would say I'm more thankful than I am now based on what we've been enduring for this year that we were able to do that last year because it wouldn't have been able to be done this year anyway. Uh, and 
it's one of those things where I knew, and I had, thankfully I had the, the hindsight to embrace the journey on all those trips and the things that we did that were nuanced, that weren't really, okay, this, you know, we're going to eat at this particular restaurant. No, it's like, you know, take time and just take in the, the ambiance of the restaurant or the food or taste the food or the walking along where we were at or, you know, the, the interactions with the locals and in the villages that my brother and I visited on a trip that we went. And it just, I, I have memories of those things. Of course, I remember the key reasons why we went on those trips and where we were, what we were going to be doing, but it's those little moments in the morning or sitting down and just eating some food or walking around and just, you know, taking in some incredible experiences that's where life happens. It's it's the journey. And I love that you, that you mentioned that because too often we're so focused on have to get to five o'clock on Friday or five o'clock at the end of the workday or the end of this uh, project or you know, we got to get to the end of this year because this year's been so bad. And uh, I hate to break this to people, switching that calendar to January 1st, 2021 it's not going to change things as much as you want, um, especially when it comes to this pandemic. Believe me, if it would, I would go buy a 2021 calendar right now and just change it to January. And say, okay, let's <laughs> I'd be willing to give up, you know, f- almost four months of my life. I- I'd make that sacrifice for everybody if we could just make the pandemic go away. If that's all it took, then right. I would do it. But sometimes, you know, even through the darkest journeys that we have to go through, you know, there, we discover new things about ourselves. Uh, And, you know, I would say that that date is very important because it's that opportunity uh, for new hope and for uh, a new way of thinking and a new way of doing things. So, um, and it gives us a chance to really, truly, uh, you know, I mean, we're take the bull by the horns and, and, and the starting point of making a, a real change. So, you know, when you look at things, uh, everything builds upon itself and sometimes a small change that you can make. So, I mean, this is, you know, a little off topic, but certainly I've sort of been referring to this when my husband was ill with cancer. Um, I uh, reevaluated our health care. And I worked with um, the the company. Um, he worked for a big corporation, um, and we were getting his health care through that corporation. And uh, they actually assigned me like a uh, during their you know the annual you know where you can change things uh, a senior uh, uh, representative to help me work it out. But we changed our health plan, and I truly believe that because that was done in the early stages, because originally he was given six months to a year to live. But because I changed our health plan and we left one service provider and moved to the University of Washington, um, he got an additional two years of life. And it was because they completely looked at, they were so on top of things. If they felt something was, they would spend an hour with him talking about what was going on and they were listening, actively listening. And and instead of uh, 15 minutes and you're done out of here, you know, and and if you say you're feeling fine and you're out of here, instead, well, let me tell me more. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And then if something would come up, they'd say, you know what? I want you to go down to radiation now, you know, and we're going to find a way to fit you in. And we're going to do, uh, you know, and it was like, 
they were so, their entire perspective and approach was so much better. And it was, um, it made the difference for him and for us that he was able to live those additional two years. And that was a little change that we made um, that you might think was a little change, but it was actually huge, um, the impact that it had. And so when we're faced with these situations and we can either choose to go down into this cesspool of negativity or we can say, what can I do? What action can I take? And when we're talking about COVID in those first uh, you know, few weeks of March, I, I mean, I was literally like, OMG, you know, what, what the what, you know? And the New York Times put out a pattern for making masks. And I started making masks. I made them, I made over 500 masks. I made them for all my family. I sent them, everybody got a bunch of masks. I made them for all my friends. I started sending them out to my the customers and the people I work with. But it gave me a sense that I had some level of control, okay? I could be, do this one thing that was proactive. And of course I could do other things. Like I could be safe. I could respect others. I could help them stay safe, you know, by my own actions. I had the power. I had the power to choose to not go down into this cesspool of negativity. Instead, I could choose to um, my, how I controlled my own behavior to make a difference. And so I think when all of us, every day, we're faced with these types of choices. And you may not consciously think about it at the time, but you do. That powerful pause that you mentioned earlier, that is dead on. Take that moment and say, wait, let me think about this. Because it only takes that 30 seconds to think, to speak. Think, to speak. And then you make a choice. Because we make millions of choices every day. And we have that power to choose. And we have the power to change our minds and to choose a new path. And that's also about resilience. It's not that you made a mistake or it was a bad decision. It's just that now you have more information, you have more knowledge, you've been able to travel down that road, and you realize, yeah, I need to take a detour, and I'm going to go this way, you know, and um, because now you have that power to make a new decision. And a lot of people don't think they have that power. Uh, They delegate their decision-making, their choices. Oftentimes they delegate it to their employer or their family or their loved ones and they don't take it upon themselves. And that that pause right after whatever the situation, whether it was an experience or receiving news or contemplating what you're gonna have for dinner. I mean, it sounds silly, but that that can be a life or death choice. (laughs) Which movie to watch on Netflix? Exactly. Yeah. Which one are we going to watch on Netflix? Yeah, exactly. All all of these things that, you know, we put weight on all of these choices. And I think instead of doing that, we go, okay, put the proper amount of weight on this choice at the moment in time of the choice and not say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, it might be a big deal depending on what's going on and take it in all those inputs to figure out what's going on. But I think one of the things I was going to ask you too, uh, before we wrap up is productivity at work. And I know you co-authored a book on, on work environment and, and whatnot. And 
work as we know it has changed now. We have no idea what work's going to look like in the next normal, uh, but I think it's going to look different than what it did uh, prior to early March of 2020. Uh, so the lessons in those book in that book play through and will down the road. But what are some things you think that employers and employees could do to help them be resilient and more agile, especially when, quite frankly, it's like we're playing a board game and somebody keeps changing the game pieces and we're like, wait a minute, we were playing shoots and ladders and this is the monopoly pieces. We're trying to figure out how in the world do we use these? So what are, what are some things that you, you think employers and employees could do to help? Them honest, honest communication. Okay. Because when we communicate with one another, even if we have to say, we don't have an answer for this, that this is what we're working on, that in itself conveys that, okay, they're aware of this. They're working on it. Um, you know, this is in focus. And that they're letting me know that they're aware of it and it's in focus. And that is so important. So that honest communication and, and, and letting people know, because you don't always have the answers and we don't have to have the answers right now today, okay? We're working towards those answers. And every time we get a piece, of, you know, it's like putting together that thousand piece puzzle, on the family room table so that everyone can participate. It's you're putting that together to get to that big picture. And every one of those steps, of those incremental steps, they help you move forward, you know, faster because the more of those puzzle pieces, you know, you, you always see that trend and then, the, the, you know, you, you slow, but steady and then pow, you know, it, it really accelerates. So, that type of honest communication is so important. And then providing the type of support and resources that people need. You know, so we're living through um, a, a, a period of massive disruption. And I do not believe that our life is going to be the same after this that it was before, period. I mean, this is a permanent disruption. And there are some things about it that are good. I mean, come on, you know, the air in Los Angeles has never been cleaner <laughs> you know, for decades. Uh, people aren't having to spend the time in the commute. And yes, there's horrible things. The millions of people who've lost their jobs, the millions of people who've lost their businesses. Um, it, it, there's definitely horrible things um, that have happened, but there's, you know, I, I think that there's there are some things that could be positive that come out of this. So I think that allowing the employees to work remotely is very important. It gives the employees more flexibility. Um, companies have, it's taken that fear away that they're not going to be productive. You know, they've discovered that you don't need to travel somewhere to have powerful, effective meetings. Uh, and so there's some things that are going to come out of this that are all going to help us, you know, as we really transition to the, this, we're in a new century, you know, and yeah, we're 20 years into it, but what it looks like right now and what it's going to look like 10 years from now are completely different. I mean, we've already seen that. We've seen that acceleration in our lifetimes, you know, of where, what we used to do. I remember the old phones in the car that were mounted in the car. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, and this acceleration is going to continue. And so um, rather than just 
focus on, like I said, that cesspool of negativity. You know, look, there are silver linings. Doors are opening, windows are opening everywhere. Um, you just have to start looking for it. And I would recommend for anybody who's never read it or who hasn't read it for a long time, pick up Who Moved My Cheese. Super quick read. And we live in a time of Who Moved My Cheese. And we will continue to live in that time uh, forever, I think, unless we somehow revert back to the dark ages, you know. And I mean, I'm talking 800 AD. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned who moved my cheese. I, well, one of the last organizations I worked at before uh, going full into my organization uh, was a healthcare organization. And when I took it over, it had been around for a couple of years, and this is an alarming number. It was, you know, there was around 30 or so employees. Uh, during the first two years, they had an average 80% turnover. That's eight zero. So eight out of 10 people would just rotate out. And no, it wasn't a McDonald's. It was a healthcare organization. And I came in and took survey of, okay, what's going on? here and I actually showed in a, a staff meeting the video of who moved my cheese and and, and more or less had a an open you know dialogue not just in that meeting but throughout while I was there to this is the environment we're going to have in. We're going to have trusted, open conversations about things. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that the patients that we serve are getting the best possible care from us. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that you have everything that you need so you can be the best. So a year after I took the organization over, the turnover went from 80% to 6%. Why? <laughs> Culture. And who moved my cheese? And yes, there were a couple of people that were giggling during the video, which I, I get it. You know, it's it's kind of a funny, funny video. Um, but the book, I would have been better. But I'm like, okay, here, everybody read this book. You know, the, the odds of that being completed wasn't going to happen. Yeah, video is so, so much more effective. So I, I had to show them the video. And, and they're thinking, wait a minute. We're, a lot of them were thinking, I'm getting paid to watch a video. Yes, you are. And hopefully something will stick of it. And it, it seemed to. Uh, for a bit anyway so um but no that's that's it is a great book and i think it it's a timeless one that uh people should pick up and take a look at and read yeah. uh, even now to help them yeah i i i i i read it every few years because i feel like it's it's such a quick read i know mm -hmm. it sounds sort of but it's like that's something that i feel is really important because we constantly need to adapt uh to unlearn and relearn because of uh, the new technology, the new way of uh, new processes or methods that are available to us. And, you know, rather than getting stuck in the past, you know, um, I'm not a, a cutting edge person, but I want to be on a leading edge <laughs> in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Yep. No, that's the best way to go about it for sure. So Lynn, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you do? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at petite with the digit two queen.com or at futureforwardsales.com. And if you're interested in working with us, um, we provide, you know, as I said, B2B um, sales and leadership training. And, you know, it's really about helping you grow your business, 
you know, train your salespeople so that you're not losing the opportunities that are actually slipping through their fingers. Um, and, you know, take that bull by the horns and start thinking outside the box and start trying some new things. And uh, you're going to see some really rapid and radical positive results. That's awesome. I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So then thank you again for the work you do and for being on the show. Hey, it was so great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.